he was alone, or at least he thought so. He was crushed under the, the heavy burden of this secret that he had kept deep in his heart for so long. It was a secret that he desperately wanted to tell everyone, to, to at least be able to tell someone, but, but he felt like he couldn't because nobody would understand. He came from a Catholic family, so to share this secret was, well, it would mean that he would be ostracized. To, to share this secret with his co-workers would mean that they would exclude him to to share with his friends, who were the kind of the macho, masculine types, well, they'd run as soon as they heard it. This man's secret was that he, he struggled with same-sex attraction. And he found some solace, uh, maybe a little bit of reprieve in telling his sister-in-law, but he swore his sister-in-law to secrecy. She wasn't able to tell her own husband, the man's brother. The only reprieve that this man ever found in his loneliness and the, the burden that he was carrying was at the bottom of a bottle, and that's, that's what eventually killed him. After a fender bender in a parking lot on a night that he was actually on a bender, he got arrested for a DUI and was put in a jail cell, sober up for the night. But meanwhile, he was complaining of stomach pains. Turns out it was psoriasis of the liver. Not only did this man feel alone, but he quite literally died alone in a jail cell. The young man, 12 years old, felt completely alone. He was kind of short and chubby and wore glasses. He, was, he played sports, but he wasn't overly athletic. He had friends, but, but none of them were the kind of friends that you would call close. He wasn't the kid that, that was invited to all of the birthday parties or invited to other people's houses. He was, he was the kid that when you look off from a distance, is bullied incessantly because of the way he looks, because of how he speaks, because of how he acts. This young man felt completely alone. And he couldn't talk to any about, anybody about it because he felt like nobody would really understand what he was going through, not even his parents, who probably went through much the same thing. This boy felt so alone, so miserable, under the burden of the bullying and pain he was experiencing that it drove him to thoughts of taking his own life. He thought, well, if this is what my experience in life is going to be, nothing but pain and sadness and loneliness, then what's the point of even going on? The young widowed mother of three felt completely alone. Her husband was a Marine uh, who died in combat over in Afghanistan. And now it was just her. Her and her three little boys, whom she loved dearly, but every time that she would look into their eyes, she saw the sadness their face bore and could feel the pain that their heart bore because she was feeling the same thing. Every time she looked at them, all she could see was the face of the only man that she ever loved. And now she was alone in this world to try to figure out how in all the world that she could raised these three boys by herself. I mean, being married to, to a man in the military meant that they moved around a lot, that they didn't put down solid roots anywhere. And to make matters worse, shortly before her husband was killed in his last deployment, they had recently just moved. So she didn't really have any friends to help. She came from a fa fractured family. She was crushed under the burden of working two jobs, totaling 70 hours a week just to barely make ends meet. She was crushed. Under the heavy weight of the burden that she bore, she felt totally alone. Gosh, you hear those stories and, and you feel them right here, don't you? 
And you feel those because you, to some extent, know what that's like. You know what it's like to, to be under the heavy load of the burdens we are made to bear. You know what it's like to feel alone. And that's, that's what this sermon is all about. This sermon is written for anyone who's ever felt alone. It's written for anyone who has ever felt like there is no one else out there who could possibly understand, who could empathize, who could help. It's, it's written for anyone who's ever had to bear a burden in this life especially a burden that, that you think nobody else could possibly understand. It's, well, it's written for people who feel like Moses. They packed up their camp and leave Mount Sinai behind Moses and the Israelites. It had been two years since God's great hand rescued them from Egypt, two years since they wore a path through the dry ground in the Red Sea, two years Two years since they began their long, what would become a long journey to the land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was going to be their own. Two years, they pack up the camp and they leave behind Mount Sinai, that great and glorious mountain where God gives his holy law to them, sets them apart as a people, tells them how they are to govern themselves. And, and only three days into this trip, the grumbling begins. And not just from the rabble, the, the people who came out of Egypt with the Israelites, but from the Israelites as well. They, they just kept complaining and wailing because they were hungry and they, they weren't content with the food they had. I mean, God had literally given them bread from heaven, this thing called manna, but not only did they not really like it, they didn't even know what it was, hence the name manna. The Hebrew word mana means, what is it? Right in the name, they're literally saying, we don't know what this is. And it leads them even further into grumbling and complaining. They're constantly saying, we're sick of this food. We don't even know what it is. If only we had meat to eat. And in their grumbling and their complaining, it's like they're pining for the good old days in Egypt. Now, I think they remember on some level the slavery and the harsh labor and the probably not so great conditions. But all the same, in Egypt, we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate at no cost and the cucumbers and the melons and the garlic and the leek and the onions. Oh, it was so good. But now all we have is mana. What is it? Moses hears this grumbling and complaining as he walks past each family's tent. But, but their complaining about food is of, of a secondary concern to him. He's greatly troubled and not because of their, not because of their grumbling about food, but, but because of what the Lord is doing. You see, the Lord, he hears the grumbling and complaining about how the, the Israelites are basically throwing God's provision of manna right back, into their, right back into his face, and the Lord becomes exceedingly angry with them. And Moses, he's the leader of God's people. As the leader, he's the intermediary. He stands between God and God's chosen people, Israel. And in that position, he feels all alone all alone under the heavy burden of, of what these people have really become, the, this grumbling and whining and complaining, ungrateful people. And he straight up goes to God and says, I, I can't carry these people all by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. All alone under this heavy burden, Moses comes up with about the best solution he can think of to, to this burden and to feeling alone. He says, God, if I find favor in your eyes, you might as well put me to death now. Kill me. Kill me so that I do not see my own ruin. But the only thing that Moses can think of in this moment of, of loneliness, of, 
of being under this heavy burden is death. But before he even gets to that, did you notice how Moses throws a bunch of shade on God? He says, what have I done that you would bring this trouble on me? What have I done that you would make these people my burden? And it only gets worse from these questions, right? Because because he asked God two rhetorical questions. Did I conceive these people? Did I give birth to them? And the implicit answer is, no, I didn't do that. God, you did. You're the one who formed and crafted each one of these individual hundreds of thousands of people, and you're the one who formed them as your chosen people and then put them under me where I am their leader. God, this is your fault that all of this is so bad and the burden is so heavy that I can't bear it on my own, and the only thing that I can think of is death. Now, if there's anybody who should have understood and known that he was not alone in all of this? It was Moses. If there's anyone who should have known and understood that he was not carrying these people by himself, it was Moses. If there's anyone who should have understood that the God who called him out of the burning bush and said, I will be with you, Moses should have understood that God, that God never left him. And yet, we find Moses in Numbers chapter 11 feeling so alone and so crushed under the burden that he was bearing. Now, like Moses, you and I all have burdens that we bear in this life, don't we? And sure, they may not be leading hundreds of thousands of God's grumbling and complaining at ungrateful people through the wilderness, but, but that doesn't mitigate the burdens that you face, and it doesn't mitigate the effects that those burdens bring on you. But why is it that when you and I face burdens, when we carry burdens, Why is it that, like Moses, we feel so alone? Why is it that we feel like we have to go at these burdens alone? I think for me, at least personally, it has a lot to do with pride. I want to be able to to handle and show that I can overcome anything anything that is thrown at me in this life. And it turns out, when you are told that you need to be strong, You need to portray strength. You need to make sure other people know that you are strong. That infiltrates the way that you look at burdens, especially burdens that become quite heavy. There's there's the opposite side of that coin, too, in that none of us really want to show that we are weak, right? None of us want to show that we would actually need help with something. I think men, in particular, are very susceptible to this. Men don't, I see smiles and laughs from some of the wives here. Right? Like men just don't like to ask for help in general. We like to just grin and bear it because that's what men do, right? You think of like Tim Taylor from, uh, from Home Improvement. Oh, 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 I am mad, right? Like that's, that's kind of how men act sometimes. We don't want to ask for help because to ask for help would mean, would be to show weakness. And this is only exacerbated by the fact that culture, that culture has completely emasculated what masculinity is. And so men, feel like we are fighting against the tide of culture to show that we are strong, that we can do it, that we can overcome any burden that we would face. Now, women are susceptible to the same thing, though, for different reasons. Right? Since the 1960s, uh, culture has said that women are fundamentally the same as men, that they can do anything that men can do, that they are just as strong, that they are on level playing fields, and that they have to prove it. And so they go through life trying to do things exactly the same way men do and trying to prove and to show their strength. 
and they go at bearing burdens alone, just like men do. But the deeper problem is that there are some problems, some burdens in this life that are just too great for a single person to bear. And we don't, even, we don't really like to ask for help at all when these burdens come that are too heavy for each one of us because we're scared of what might happen if we do ask for help. We're scared if, of, of the fact that somebody might say something negative or judge us for being weak or judge us for the thing that we are struggling with. So we build up this facade for ourselves that makes it look like everything's okay. This has only been become a greater issue in a digital age where where on things like social media, you build up this, this life of carefully curated words and altered photos to show everyone who can see that life is all rose petals and unicorns. But behind those carefully curated words and those altered photographs are the, are the things that you don't want anybody to know about. The things that you're not willing to ask help with. The, thing, the burdens that you bear in this life, whatever it might be. And so we feel more and more alone because we're not let, we don't want to let anybody see a crack in our facade. We don't want anybody to know that maybe we are weak, maybe we do need help, and we're driven further and further into this feeling of being alone, this feeling of loneliness. And when you're in a pit of being alone, that's when Satan likes to swoop in. Right? Satan comes in and he tries to explain to you every reason why that you're going through these burdens, why you're having to bear these burdens, and they're always false, they're always lies, right? He comes to you and says things like, well, I know. I know why you're going through these things. It's, it's because you did something really bad to tick God off. You did something so bad that God is now punishing you for your sin by giving you this heavy burden to bear. And, and you know, I would never do anything like that to you but God. Well, God certainly would, and God actually did, and now there's no one around to help you at all. I know I know a way out, a way for all of your suffering to end, a way for your, your burdens to be alleviated. It's this thing called death. You might as well just end it now. And when you end it, you won't feel alone anymore. I mean, that's exactly what Moses asked God for, wasn't it? Moses asked God, to kill him. If I find favor in your eyes, God, take my life right now. Put me to death so that I won't see my own ruin. Now, thankfully, God has a very different solution to Moses' inadequacy to bear his own burden and his, him feeling alone. And the solution had nothing to do with taking the burden away from Moses. It had nothing to do with death. It had nothing to do with even giving Moses more strength and power so he could do it on his own. It did you catch what the solution was in Numbers chapter 11? It was other people. God gave Moses 70 other people to help bear the burden that was too great for any one person to bear on their own. Listen to the solution that God gives in the middle of our, our reading for this morning. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come out to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. I mean, God's message to Moses is simple and clear and beautiful, isn't it? You are not alone. And God shows this to him in two magnificent ways. The first way is with 70 other people. 
God says to Moses, hey, go and gather 70 people who are known for their leadership skills and as being officials among Israel already and bring them to the tent of meeting. And there at that tent of meeting, God takes the spirit, the power of the spirit that's on Moses, and he puts it on those 70 elders so that they can prophesy only once, but that they can prophesy as a demonstration to the people of Israel that, hey, these are the leaders that I chose to help Moses bear this burden. Who is all of you? Right? God's message to Moses, you are not alone. But the greater proof of that promise that you are not alone actually comes in the way that God carried all of this out. God didn't have Moses speak to the elders and say, hey, you're going to help me bear this burden. God didn't speak from heaven and say you and tell these leaders you're going to help. What does God do? God literally comes down. He comes down in the cloud and stands in their midst and he speaks to Moses as if to say, Moses, I'm with you. You are not and you have never been alone. I've always helped you bear these burdens. And the one who is standing here in the cloud with you is the same God who led you out of Egypt, the same God who called you out of the burning bush and made you the promise that said, I will be with you. The same God whose glory you saw on the mountain you just left three days ago. I always have and I always will be with you. You are not alone. And as a further demonstration of that, look at who you're surrounded by. 70 other people to help bear the burden that you could not bear on your own. You're not alone, Moses. Trust that promise. You are not alone. I don't know who needs to hear that promise today, but I want you to know that that is a promise that is meant for you too. No matter what you're going through, no matter how dark your days have gotten, no matter how heavy the burden actually is, God's promise to Moses is the promise that is meant for you. You are not alone. Do you know where the certainty for that promise comes from? It's all found wrapped up in the whole reason the Israelites were in the wilderness in the first place, the whole reason why God established the nation of Israel. It's actually wrapped up in a word that the prophet Isaiah speaks nearly 700 years after that sojourn in the wilderness, this word, Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Right? Jesus is the certainty. Jesus is the certainty that you are never alone. Jesus became Emmanuel, became God with us for the explicit purpose of bearing the one burden, the one burden that humanity could never bear on their own, the burden of sin and its consequence of death. And had Jesus not taken on flesh and blood, becoming our brother to bear our sins, to bear that burden, do you know how we, where we would actually be? totally alone. Because that's what our sin does to us. It separates us from the one true God. But Jesus was not content to have his brothers and sisters be alone forever. Instead, Jesus takes the burden of all of your sin, all of your guilt, and he carries it to the cross, to hell, to death. And then Emmanuel rises from the dead is the certainty that all of the burden of your sin and guilt and its consequences is totally gone, that you are forgiven, that you are at peace. And that Jesus, that Jesus then makes you a promise. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Now, consequently, all of that shows us one big important truth, that the burdens you are made to bear in this life do not come as a result of God punishing you for your sin. That is not the way that God works or operates. And when you and I are made to bear burdens in this life, it is only natural for the human being to ask God, just like Moses did, why? Why? What did I do to displease you? What did I do to deserve this? Why did you put all of this trouble on me? It's natural to ask those things and to wonder. Now, we may never get an answer as to why God has us bear the burdens that we do in this life. As much as we would want to ask God why over and over and over again, there are certain things that that are only left to the mind of God. And in faith with the psalmist, sometimes we just have to admit, who can know the mind of the Lord? But even though we might not get an answer to the why of the burdens that we have in this life, we can have the certainty of this promise, that the burdens you do bear, they are not God punishing you for your sin because God exacted the punishment for your sin on Emmanuel, the once-for-all sacrifice for all of your sins. He put an end to the need for any more punishment for those sins to ever exist, and now you are restored, you are bought back, and you can rest in the certainty of that promise that you are not alone. This is a a promise that we all know by faith, and it's one that we trust most days, I think. But when the days grow long and the burdens get heavy, we find it more and more difficult to trust that promise. Which is, I think, in part why God gave Moses those 70 elders. They were the physical manifestation of God's promise that I am always with you. They were the physical manifestation of of God's promise that you don't have to go through life alone. And if you want proof that that same promise is meant for each and every one of you, the only thing that you have to do this morning is look around. To your left, to your right, to the person standing in front of you. Because the people you are surrounded by here, they're the 70. They're the 70 that God gives to each and every one of you to help you bear the burdens that you face in this life. And what a marvelous blessing that God would knit us together in a family that transcends space and time, a family who has its foundation in the blood of the Lamb. But God has not only knit you together in a family that you cannot see, but he's knit you together with a physical family, people who are just like you, sinners who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, a people whose hearts are filled with the love of Jesus and seek to emulate that love in their day-to-day lives. These are the people that God gives you. These are the ones that God says, help them bear each other's burdens. Now I empathize with every single person here this morning who has difficulty asking for help, who finds it difficult to to allow your facade to be cracked and to, to tell people, hey, I'm struggling with this. I do, personally, I struggle with that because because I don't want to admit that I need help. And number two, I don't want people to judge me. I don't want people to to look at me in a different light for a burden that I am carrying. But I want you to understand this, and I say this as much for my sake as I do for yours. People whose hearts are filled with Jesus' love, they're going to do everything that they can to help you, and judgment will be the last thing on their minds. The people who are surrounding you love you more deeply than you could ever know and are willing to do more for you than you could ever ask or imagine. These are the people that God has given you. But they won't know that you need help unless what? Unless you ask, right? 
Trust the people that God has given. Trust the 70 that God has given you. Trust that, that they are going to and be willing to help you. But what a marvelous blessing that is. Now granted, maybe some of you this morning aren't, aren't bearing burdens right now in this life. Maybe you've never had to have a hard burden. And I want you to consider this, if that is the case. Maybe the vocation, the calling that God has placed on your heart and on your life, is to be one of the 70. To be one of the people who helps bear one another's burdens. What a marvelous thing that is. Because the reality is, especially after this last year where where you have a lot of people who are under heavy loads, where you have a lot of people who have been brought to the brink and don't quite know what's next and are contemplating something horrible, you know people who are completely alone and that puts you in a very unique position. And not only do you know these people, but you know the promise that God has for them. The same promise that your God has made to you. So go, go be one of the 70. Go sit with these people who are feeling alone. Go sit with them and share their burdens. And most importantly, share that promise that God has placed on your heart. A promise that I want you to hear one more time and that I fervently ask God would etch deep into your hearts and your minds. You are not alone. Amen.